we have the upcoming holiday of Shavuos in a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Shavuos is labeled as the Zman Matantar, the time of the giving of our Torah or the reception, reception of our Torah. What I want to do is to analyze the whole idea of Torah and Torah study on a very deep level. Try to look at the sources, what do the sources say, what do they don't say, and how do we make our holiday and our really life as a Jew, which is centered a lot around Torah study, make it more meaningful and more inspirational knowing what we what we can learn. Now, we know that Jews are obsessed with Torah study. The sources are staggering. The, the amount of sources on this uh, is really unimpeachable, incontrovertible. Jews are obsessed with learning. Just a few of them, if there were any doubts. We say every morning, we list all the amazing mitzvahs that impact us in this world and in the next, and we end up with Talmud, Torah, Kanarikulam. The study of Torah is equal to all of them. Additionally, Talmud tells us, Shakral Talmud Torah, that Talmud Torah is equal, Torah study is equal to all of the other 612 mitzvahs combined. And we know, historically, the Jews have had a propensity to study Torah in mass numbers. It was the national pastime of our nation. Talmud tells us, in the book of Sanhedrin, that in times of Chistia, they actually made a survey, made a census of the nation, and they found, they searched from Givas until Antifras, one end of Israel to the other end of Israel, and they did not find not one young boy, not one young girl, not a man, not a woman, who was not fully proficient in the laws of purity and impurity. Very complex laws that uh, today is relegated to the scholars in those times, even basic school children already had proficiency in those laws. Talmud tells us if you have a Torah, Torah study, and uh, observance of a mitzvah, the Torah study uh, supersedes all. What the Ramam tells us is that study, you have to guys study Torah all the time, nine hours a day for people that are working folk, and three hours a day to work out of 12 hours. And by the way, I, I did see a survey which actually lists out how much time people actually work, two hours and 59 minutes. So the Ramam said work even more than most people already work today. Work for three hours and just all that other white space that people use with FaceTime and Facebook and Netflix and Snapchat, instead of all that stuff, study Torah uh, for the duration. Uh, some stories of great, of great personalities, great heroes of Jewish life that demonstrate the obsession-like attachment that Jews had with Torah study. The great Ben Azai, who was one of the scholars of the Mishnah, of the Mishnahic era, Talmud tells that he was so obsessed with Torah study that he had no room in his heart for anything but Torah study. And this, and he's lauded as a great hero when he says the word, Ma'eseh, what can I do? Nafshi chashtabat Torah, my heart yearns only for Torah. The Talmud tells of Rava. Rava, the name that is most ubiquitous throughout all of Talmud. Rava, he was once studying Torah and he had jammed his hand. Basically, he was injuring himself, and he wasn't totally oblivious to it. And the Tzidoki, who saw it, the Sadducee, who saw it, he's like, you guys are nuts. Because look at you studying Torah, and you're totally oblivious of the world around you. That's what the Sadducee said. But what do we say? We look at Rava as the archetype of a great Jewish leader. Someone who's obsessed with Torah is someone that we want as a leader, Talmud goes on further to tell us, Gedola Talmud Torah, Yoser Mehatzalas Nefashos. Torah study is greater 
than saving lives. Now, of course, if you have a life to save, you, you close the Gemara for a little bit. But what's more powerful, pound for pound, so to speak, studying Torah? This idea lends itself really nicely to what's going on in Israel. Uh, of course, this is a controversial subject, but in Israel, we know that the yeshiva students don't study, don't go to the army. And the question is, why? Well, here the Talmud says is that Torah study is greater than saving lives. Uh, moreover, the Talmud elsewhere says that Talmud itself, the Torah study itself, does save lives. Now, that being said, the founder of the Torah community in Israel, the Chazonish, he famously said that if there were no other soldiers to go to the front lines, we'd all close our books and go to the front lines. But because there are already soldiers, and moreover, they don't even need the majority of the students, it costs them a million dollars to train a single pilot in the Israeli Air Force. They don't need people that are not interested in being there. Maybe they should even go to a volunteer army. Uh, but if they did, says the Chazanish, we'd all close our Gemaras, stop our study, and go to the front lines. Of course, if there's no army, you must go and stop and defend. Uh, but pound for pound, what's a greater mitzvah? Studying Torah or saving lives? Talmud says that it's studying Torah. Also, I think most people are not aware just the scope of Torah study that's 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 possible. We told we're told in scripture, Arucha Me'eretz Mida Minyam. The Torah is deeper than the ocean and broader than the land. The Chavatzheim explained that if you walked, if you went to Venice Beach in California and you walked into the Pacific Ocean, and it's up to your ankles, you say, huh, I can walk all the way to Japan. And that's because you just barely dipped your toe into the water. The further deeper you go into it, uh, the further down it goes, the deeper it is uh, uh, in depth. Torah is compared to the ocean and to water because most people, the outsiders, have no idea what, what, what are people studying Torah for so long? You go, you spend time in the Mir Yeshiva. Mir Yeshiva, you see people there that are studying for 70 years. They're still there. And the question is, haven't you covered it all? As outsiders, people don't fathom the depth of the Torah. The more people have a grasp of Torah, the more they realize of how much they don't know. And the deeper you go, the deeper you realize it is. And we say that the Torah is God's mind. And if God's infinite, the Torah is likewise infinite. And therefore, just like God is not is beyond our capacity to fully grasp, the Torah likewise is better our capacity to fully grasp, but it was presented in a way that we could achieve as much as we want to achieve. We can't reach the end, but whatever we put in will glean uh, will take as uh, uh, we'll be able to draw out. I like to say it like this. Someone once asked the aforementioned Chazon Ish, what is the definition of a Torah scholar? What's the definition of a Talmud Chacham? So he said, he said a fascinating criteria to determine if someone's a Talmud Chacham. He says, a Torah scholar is someone who is able in one day to study 40 pages of Talmud. And now that might not sound like a lot. 40 pages of any book seems like it's kind of readable. But if you study Talmud, it's very dense. Every line is very intricate argumentation. It's very difficult to do even one page in one day, much less 40 pages. But a Torah scholar is someone who can do 40 pages in one day. However, that's not it. The Torah scholar has to be able to do 40 pages in one day of intense study 
and one page in 40 days of intense study. That's a Torah scholar. Someone who could spend only one day and cover 40 pages and at the same time could spend 40 days on only one page, 18 hours a day, that's a Torah scholar. This is beyond internalizing it. It's plumbing deeper and deeper and deeper into the source material. I had a friend in the Mir Yeshiva from England who told me a story of a, uh, a friend of his who was studying in yeshiva and they got to what they found to be a dry page. And if you study Talmud, you see that some pages are much more exciting on the surface while others seem to be a little bit more dull. So his friend heard someone commenting, this is a very dry page. He says, dry page? There's no dry page in the Talmud. And he wrote two essays. He said, I'm going to apply myself to this particular page. I'm going to plumb to its depths and I'm going to draw beautiful Torah insights from it. That's what a Torah scholar is. Someone who could have such profound immersion in Torah on one page, yet have the capacity to study 40 pages in one day. Now, but what does that mean? If you just do the math, if every page of Talmud, you only need a 40th of one day to study fast. But that same page you could spend 40 full days studying it. That means that every page of Talmud has at least 1,600 different layers of depth. That's a pretty incredible idea that the Torah has all these layers of profundity and depth. Most people, unfortunately, in our nation, they study Talmud. They, study, they don't never study Talmud at all. But if they study Torah, it's preparation for the Bar Mitzvah. It's the most superficial surface learning and they never get to experience any aspect of this deep learning that's possible, and they just leave leave it on the table. Now, the Jewish people's obsession with Torah and the mandate that we are given to study it is captured in a verse in Joshua. The book in Joshua starts off on chapter 1, verse 8. V'hidisabo yomam v'layli should study the words of Torah day and night. The Talmud says that there was a discussion whether or not to study Greek philosophy. And then one of the rabbis wanted to study Greek philosophy. So he went to the other great grandmaster rabbi and says to him, can I study Greek philosophy? He says, yes. But what's the problem? The problem is he says you got to study Torah day and night. So you could study Greek philosophy when it's not day, when it's not night. And i.e. you're absolved from Torah study, then you study Greek philosophy. But this is just an introduction of what Torah is. We just, just a few choice sources of, uh, of Torah. And the holiday that we have upcoming is the holiday of the giving of the Torah. Uh, yet, it's actually labeled uh, during the liturgy of the prayers of Shavuos who say, Zman Matanosha, the time of giving the Torah. However, if you look throughout the Torah itself, the text of the written Torah, on Shavuos, it doesn't say that it's the reason why we have the holiday, whereas Pesach, we know it's Chagamatzos, it's when we left, when we left Egypt. Sukkis is the time, Kibbasukkos or Shavti, Each one of the other holidays, are, we're given a reason why that holiday, uh, is celebrated. Whereas Shavuos, like Ari said, Shavuos is just told, we're just told about Shavuos, it's a time of harvesting. Doesn't mention Torah study itself. So how's it possible that the Torah would omit the most critical information about the holiday of Shavuos 
when it talks about the holiday of Shavuos? I have a theory to answer this question. And I think the theory gets to the underlying distinction between a Jew's relationship to the mitzvah of study Torah, studying of Torah and all other mitzvahs. In Exodus, we read in Parshas Cheruma about the instruction to build a tabernacle. There's a very famous midrash that tells us what does this mean that the Almighty is telling us to build him a tabernacle? And it gives us an example, a mushal, a parable of a king who had a single daughter. She reached marriageable age. A prince from a faraway land came and married her. After the festivities, the prince, of course, wants to go back to his homeland with his new bride. And the king says to him, listen, this is my only daughter. I can't possibly take her away from you. I can't demand that you stay here either. But I can't possibly sever myself from her. Therefore, let's make a deal. You go to your castle and you rebuild, you, you, you work on your legacy there with your new wife. But make a guest house for me. Whenever I can always come visit her. That's the parable. Says the Midrash, the Almighty says, I'm going to give you my Torah, my daughter, if you will. I can't possibly sever myself from her. I can't tell you not to take it. Do me a favor. Build me a tabernacle where I could be close to the Torah. What this is telling us is that we, in this example, the Jewish people are the proverbial groom. And the Torah is the proverbial bride. We got the daughter of God, so to speak, in, in the example. Of course, God has no daughters, and that could be mistaken for uh, theological uh, uh, misunderstandings. But the relationship that we have with Torah is akin, in this example, to an intimate relationship of husband and wife, which is a pretty intriguing idea. A mitzvah is, is something we do we're told that the Torah, it's sort of an intimate relationship the nation has with Torah. And this is not the only source. Talmud says, there are many sources here. Talmud says is that study of Torah is only for Jews. Non-Jews are not allowed to study Torah. Why? Because the Torah is our wife, our spouse. And it's akin to adultery when someone else comes and takes away a person's wife. Uh, but this, this is a powerful idea. And by the way, the Talmud, uh, again, in Sanhedrin on page 99 says, says that when someone studies Torah every once in a while, one day he studies Torah, one day he abandons Torah, says that's an example of someone who's not committed, not committed to the relationship. If you get married to someone, they're your wife or your husband, they're your spouse every single day of the week. You can't say today I'm married, tomorrow I'm not married. That's not a relationship that a husband has with a wife. That's maybe something that a husband has with a concubine or with a mistress, says the Torah, says the Talmud. If someone studies Torah periodically, whenever they're in the mood, Noah Ishachasar Lev, Ze Halomed Torah Leprakim, says Rashi. So this is someone who learns Torah uh, periodically. Ve'eno Lomed Tadir Tadir. 
He does not learn it consistently every day. Like a man who's not married. He sleeps sometimes with this woman, sometimes with that woman. Again, another source that says to us that Torah is there. It's like a spouse. Well, what do we know about spouses? Says the Torah, the first mention of spouses, Lo tovi osa adam levado. It's not going to person to be, be alone. Adam was told he was miserable when he was alone. It's not good for him. Perhaps we could say that it's not good for men to be without a wife. It's not good for men to be without Torah. The, the description of the first wife is, uh, is that Azer Kenendo, she will be a helper for him. Adam is incomplete by himself, but Adam with Eve, they have a fighting chance. Man is doomed without Torah. The Torah is the Azer Kenendo. The Torah helps man achieve his destiny. It's not just a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that is so vital and integral for the ongoing continuity of men will fail miserably without it. Perhaps we could say, and I, I know I saw this once, I cannot source it for you. Because like every time I tried to find the source, I couldn't find it. So if someone listening to this happens to know of a source for this, please share with me. Email address is rabbiwalby at gmail.com. There's a major question. If you, if you scour the entire Torah, beginning of Genesis to end of Deuteronomy, you don't find an explicit mitzvah to study Torah. We've argued, sources argue, it's the most important mitzvah. How come the Torah warns about Lashon Hara, speaking evilly, Shabbos again and again? The mitzvahs are repeated many times. The most important mitzvah of all is not even said explicitly once. The only, the only time it's mentioned the Torah, study Torah in the Shema, to, to study Torah day and night and while we travel. But it doesn't say, it doesn't say explicitly. And then you finish the book, you start the next book, and on verse number eight, study Torah day and night. It should have said that in Genesis, or as early as possible, repeated it once a book. Why does it wait till Joshua to say it? I once heard an answer to this question. I know I saw it, because I don't make up these kinds of stuff. I can't find it anywhere. But what it says is like this. The Talmud tells us that when uh, in the laws of intimacy between husband and wife, it is inappropriate and crude and crass for a woman to be very explicit about what she wants. However, she could be subtle about it. She could drop hints about it. I once heard that the Torah itself explicitly demanding that someone studies it is inappropriate. Therefore, it gives hints, it drops hints, and once you finish the book, you start the book of Joshua, you can have the explicit commandment, study Torah day and night, and don't abandon it for a second. That's what I saw. I can't find it. I'd love to find it again. Uh, but perhaps, well, we're told that the holiday of Shavuos it's the holiday, it's our marriage, so to speak, of binding ourselves with the Torah. Perhaps that's something that has to be covered up, so to speak. It's too explicit to be explicitly written. You talk about harvesting, you talk about other things. It's too intimate. It's actually some things you don't discuss publicly. But I think for us, I think this could really recalibrate what we look at Torah. Well, what is Torah? It's not just out of the mitzvah. It's the mitzvah that's going to bring us the Azer Kenendo, the, the help that we need. It's the it's like a wife, the thing that without it, man is doomed to failure. 
And maybe if the Torah is that powerful and study of Torah is that powerful and so transformative for man, maybe it makes sense why there's such a premium, such an emphasis paid to Torah study. Uh, it made sense because it is that vital and that essential for us in every field of our life. And I think the holiday that we have upcoming, it's a time for us. Now, now is the time of the year for us to impress upon ourselves the importance and the criticalness of this pursuit, the study of Torah, and to recognize why historically it was the obsession of Jewish people and it continues to be for a large percentage of people. I, I once made the argument, there's more people studying Torah uh, in uh, a th- the theoretical, not applied way, not halacha, not people who want to become rabbis, people who want to study Torah for the sake of studying Torah than any other field, than mathematics, than chemistry, than biology, than physics. More people doing that. In yeshiva, there's eight no. people studying 10, 12, 13, 18 hours a day. It's interesting to think that some of the most bright minds in the world have chosen to study Torah as their life's objective. And I think it's uh, this is the season. We're going to, God willing, next week, continue our analysis of, of the power of Torah, of the benefit that someone has with Torah study. But as an introduction, we know that it's really critical and vital, and it's an amazing opportunity that we have as Jews to delve and immerse ourselves in its waters.